Are you picking anything up, Steve? <coughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. I have really enjoyed preparing this sermon today, more because it forced me to do a bit of self-reflection on a few bits and a lot that's happened from before Christ came, when Christ came, and when the word of Christ reached my village, and how it's impacted my life. And what I want to say is it's encouraging when you can identify yourself in God's word and how it has affected your life and what it promises for you in the future. Our reading comes from 1 Peter, um, chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. And it reads as follows. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect who are exiles of the dispersion throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit for obedience to Jesus and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more precious than gold, even which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy now that you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, the word of Christ reached my village in 1952. So in 2022, around Christmas time, we made a journey there to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the word reaching there. But how it came into my family was that the cousin to my grandfather was working for the missionaries and white settler farmers and there he heard the word of God and he brought it to the village and spoke to my grandfather and another cousin. So three people and their families. Now my grandparents were Hannah and Daniel and they died 21 years apart. My grandfather died in 1972, so I have no recollection of him whatsoever. I may be old, but I'm not that old. Um, my brother is called Dan because um, they crossed each other's paths. One was going to hospital for treatment, and the other one was coming 
I was born around the same time in the same hospital. And I know this because um, my grandfather died of um, food poisoning. And for many years I thought it had been something else. But it's only that my dad told me when we went back in 2022 that it was food poisoning and he had had complications. And during the night, one of his friends had been nursing him. And as he arrived to visit him in the morning, he was told, your father is still alive. And another friend of his was nursing him. And the two of them were doing the handover. And in between, father had died. his father had died. And my father stopped the drip. Yeah, because the man was gone. So he went to be with the Lord. Grandmother died in September 1993 in hospital also, following complications from surgery. Um, so she had uh, bowel issues and when she was operated on, she had an infection. And this infection led to her demise. However, it was a good story still because at the time when she was dying, the night before, she told people she had been knocking on a door. Whether she was delirious or not, we don't know. But it wasn't just her, but it was her and other people. They were knocking at the door and they were told, go back, it's not yet your time. And so in the morning, she told people about it. And these people included my Aunt Mary, um, who Sarah and Claude may, met, um, and also her sons, who are my uncles. That very night, having told them during the day that they had been knocking on the door, her time came and she went to be with the Lord. Yeah. And in the morning, my uncles came to try and pick me up. They were coming to university. There were no mobile phones then, so therefore they hazarded a guess and thought, ah, we'll go and pick Thea up. But I was walking on my way to the bus stop to catch the bus to go to hospital to visit my grandmother, not knowing she had died. And they were coming to try and tell me the information. So when I saw them driving, I decided to wait for them and stop them. And then they picked me up and they asked me where I was going, and I told them I was going to hospital to visit my grandmother. And so they had to break the news to me right there and then. And so for the rest of the time that evening, we spent um, talking about grandmother's faith and the upbringing of uh, her, my father and his brothers. And it was good. It was a good time to see what it was all about what they had believed in. So coming back to our reading, Peter is writing this letter sometime after the resurrection, trying to encourage the people, probably 30 years after the resurrection, and trying to encourage the people who were dispersed in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. And it is a fulfillment of the commissioning that Christ had given Peter, as recorded in Luke, chapter 22, telling him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, specific naming, Simon Peter, that your faith will not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so you can 
see where it is coming from. Things were not easy for the believers at this time. They were facing persecution from the Jews for not following Jewish customs and facing persecution from the Romans for they were not obeying the Roman regulations and rules. And from the records of Flavius Josephus, I think Dave will probably have read the, the story of Jewish antiquities, uh, the whole book. Uh, how many pages? 1,500? Yeah, so the Romans ruled through a local client king um, and largely they, were, they allowed freedom of um, worship um, or religious practice in Judea. At times, the divide between the monotheistic Jews and polytheistic colonizers caused divisions and caused clashes. And so this friction led to um, in addition to the oppressive taxation the Jews underwent, led to the first revolt. And Jews didn't appreciate being ruled by an outsider. And they, this revolt at first was successful because they managed to chase the, the Romans out of uh, Jerusalem and reinstall their own government. Needless to say, uh, who was the Caesar at that time? It was. Uh, the emperor was Nero, and he wasn't very happy. And he sent a very seasoned general called Vespasian. Uh, he was a competent general, and he met the Jewish forces with a lot of force, and really, he decimated the whole place. In, so this is around 64 AD to 70 AD, and so therefore that ended up with the destruction of, the, of Jerusalem, including the new temple that had been built um, by Nehemiah. So in scripture, some of the persecution or the origins of it is recorded for us in Acts chapter 22 by Paul confessing how he persecuted this way to death, detaining both men and women and throwing some into prison. And the high priests and the council were supporting that. We know Paul met the Lord on his way to Damascus when he had letters to apprehend them and bring them into jail. Although Paul met the Lord on the way to Damascus, the persecution of the Jews did not stop um, with his conversion, but the, because the council of leaders only lost one foot soldier, they still retained a whole army. So, looking at that and looking at ourselves, we see our faith in Christ gives us a new birth into a living hope. And these people didn't seem to have a hope. And when Peter is writing to them, is telling them, you have a new hope through the resurrection of Christ. Through the resurrection of Christ, and this hope is into an inheritance that is imperishable, because they are looking at the temple which has been destroyed, so there was, it looked like there was nowhere to worship the Lord, which was undefiled, which was unfading and reserved for them in heaven. So the perspective is to change their thinking from what is now and thinking what, is, what their 
believing it, what is coming for them. So we as believers in Christ have that privilege to receive a spiritual inheritance from our Heavenly Father as a result of our adoption into sonship through faith, through faith. So looking at it from verse 4 of our reading where it talks about uh, the imperishable, undefiled, unfading, imperishable. My grandmother, when going to Nairobi for treatment in 1993, left instructions for people to be generous in our home um, when they visited. The Lord had been quite, um, had provided sufficient food for our family. Um, and so he, she said, feed people without fear of thinking that the food will run out. Uh, to back this up, there had been a bumper harvest. And just to give you context um, of it, this is 1993 when she was going into hospital. The harvest, which was still in uh, my dad's store and my grandmother's store, had happened in 1979. Finger millet. That is quite hardy. And um, it doesn't suffer a lot of uh, pest damage in storage. However, so there had been many other seasons since then where there had been harvests. I know this is a poor example, but it hadn't perished in that time. And by the time when grandmother was giving that instruction, there was an example which backed it up. You can feed people, don't worry. Think about it in heaven. It's not going to perish. It's in store for you. It's, it's stored for you. It's never going to perish. Undefiled, in 1952, the village where my grandfather was born was a tiny, tiny village governed by people whose way of life was traditional values. And no one knew how to read or write. So this is the context of it. When I stand here in front of you, it is a testament of that journey of faith. So no one knew how to read or write. Nobody, no children were not being sent to school. Food shortages, which I've referenced uh, earlier, in 1952 were rampant and poverty ruled the land. The people were consumed in their traditional ways, traditional values, um, which involved the worship of the sun and also um, making sacrifices to traditional gods. And women who were pregnant, who had dietary rules, they were prohibited from eating certain uh, foods like the tongue, the heart of animals or eggs. Um, what this verse brings is bringing to think about the purity of thought and purity of other things. We are not, we have an inheritance in heaven which is pure, which cannot be defiled by diet or actions. It cannot be. It's kept there for you. And perhaps the biggest um, thing I want to bring uh, with Sarah serving with the Her Majesty, His Majesty's forces, sorry, it's been a long time, <laughs> um, is we move a lot. And in moving so often, so every two or three years, um, we move, but we end up moving to houses which can accommodate everything and other houses which can't accommodate everything we've had in the previous house. So we end up with mat materials in storage. 
some of these things, we don't see them for a while. And when we open two, three moves later, which if you multiply it four or six years later, they've faded. They're not, they don't have that bit, uh, they don't have the shine that was there. We find that eventually, when we get them, they do not possess the earlier brilliance, but what the scriptures promises is not like that. It's stored for you in its pure form. It is not going to fade. It's in the brilliance of God. It will retain that. It's not like the brilliance which Moses was radiating when he came down from the mountains and he had to cover himself, and it was fading, but people didn't want to see that. And so this promise, inheritance, is reserved for you. You all know what reserved means. You understand it. But when you look at it, it is through having that right to be called a child of God when you believe in Jesus. We've been, um, as we read, you know, greatly rejoice. Um, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And looking at what is recorded in John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So when we believe in, in God, in Jesus Christ, we have that right. And the right gives you the nature of a child of God and the position of a child of God. Every believer obtains the place of a child of God when they believe in the Son, the moment. It's not an instantaneous process, yes. There are steps, believing, repenting, receiving the Holy Spirit, being baptized, which you've got to go through. But the initial step has got to be that moment when you believe, and then you go through the other steps, and remaining faithful to the end. It's not just a one moment belief, it's remaining faithful, continuing to be faithful. The indwelling spirit gives you, in your current experience, the realization of this. Now, 1 John 3, 1 to 3, talks about the love of God and talks about, behold, the manner of the love of the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. It's not because of what we've done, it's because of what he's done. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us, sorry for the echoing, yeah. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are now children of God, but what we will be as has not yet been revealed. That inheritance, you live in the hope of having it now, but it is not yet revealed. It is kept for you. It's kept in store. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him. At this time, we are not yet like him. 
But when he appears, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. For Christ is pure, or just as Christ is pure. We are waiting for the appearance of Christ, for the full manifestation of our sonship or of our adoption. Yeah? We've got the hope now. In the future, we will live it. So, think about what Christ has done. Think about how he will present you. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting for God, for whom and through whom all things exist, to make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. That's Hebrews 2 verse 10. For both the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are of the same family, are of the same family, the same DNA. Uh, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call me brother. He is happy. I will proclaim your name to my brothers. I will sing your praises in the assembly. And so this inheritance we're talking about, as told in verse 4 of, of uh, 1 Peter, is you look at it, Christ is God's heir. And we gain that co-heirship, we become co-heirs with Christ by believing that Christ came to save us and by believing that Christ is the Son of God and by believing that Christ died and resurrected for our salvation. Scripture is very unambiguous that when people do not believe in Christ, they do not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, or this inheritance. Ephesians 5, verse 5, for this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, that is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Or even in 1 Corinthians, no wicked will inherit the kingdom of God. It reads, do you not know? that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. And he goes into a few bits. And he concludes in saying, no, they will not inherit. More verses is found in um, 1 Corinthians 10, Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21, Hebrews, and in Revelations talking about the people who do not get the inheritance promised. They do not have the rights of privileges, rights and privileges, for they do not know and follow the statutes God has said. So, the Bible is split into the Old and the New Testament, and in everyday speak, we know that a will, um, when somebody dies, they leave behind a will and a testament, which is normally the file, the last will and testament of that person. And I think this is the origin of the word where, where the Bible is split into the Old Testament, which is the Old Will, and the New Testament, which is the New Will. I may be wrong, but that's my thinking. That's where it's come. So the nature of a will is to ensure that the inheritors, or the people who are entitled to inheritance, actually get their inheritance in due course. And what is recorded in that will and testament is given, 
and fully implemented by the executor of the estate. Believers in Christ shall inherit an abundance in blessing by living in the hope recorded in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Again, going back, it's saying, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Believers in Christ. What Peter is trying is trying to assure them is the certainty of their salvation. For us, it is having that certainty of our salvation also. And uh, is the Jewish people were expecting a Messiah who would come and rule over them in their present life at that time. But he came and they did not recognize him because he did not come in the way and in the manner they were expecting, in the manner they were anticipating. Um, and reflect on it, Colossians, he records, and it's recorded for us, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave you your sins. When you were still an enemy of his, God put into effect a plan, put into, and went through it. Notice that God acted way before any of us were born here. When God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit was sitting and meeting to decide to send God the Son to come to save us, it wasn't because of our application, no. It was the decision for them. But then, God is not unjust. He will bless you. He will love you, shown for you love his name, for you love his son, as you've ministered to the saints and you continue to do so, which is ourselves here today. We look after each other, we love each other. So, in Hebrews 6, 10 to 12, the latter part, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. Then you'll not be sluggish, but will imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It is all about having that promise in your mind, in what you do, in how you approach things. What is it you are hoping to get? And so, as we are, we have an assurance that, we believe, that what we believe is true and steadfast, and it's not going to change. And our treasure in heaven is different from the treasure we have on earth. I, I mentioned earlier about how we move from house to house and we put things in storage and it fades away or the grain which was stored, which could have been eaten by stored uh, grain uh, weevils. What we have in heaven and uh, what is retained and kept for believers of Christ in heaven is not going to perish. So when we put our faith in Christ, he keeps our promises to us. And as sure as Paul was, when he was writing to Timothy, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Think about it. You entrust your future to Christ by believing in Christ. 
You can entrust your future into your own hand and try to save for tomorrow, to save for um, when you retire. And when you retire, you're still trying to save for when you are a bit farther down the road. Ultimately, we do not take this with us. We do not take anything we keep and secure, uh, we keep and for when things are bad. When you die, that's it, you leave it here. So at my grandmother's funeral, the biggest feeling which everybody had was that of a celebration. Because we had confidence <clears throat> that she had inherited the kingdom she so firmly believed in. Her faith in the Lord was unshakable. Here she was, barely able to read, having attended adult um, school in 1953. But because she beat all the boys in her class, now she's a mother, um, she beat all of them, the missionaries shut at adult literacy classes. <laughs> yeah, but her deep commitment shone through her, her spirit, um, generous spirit. My family have gone through a lot of difficult times, and at that time they were in severe poverty. Um, so severe that there is a clear difference between before believing Christ and after believing Christ, and we can associate anything and everything we have to having faith in the word of God. For context on the depth of poverty they had, <clears throat> my father once told me, and I called him yesterday to confirm this, um, that one Christmas, all they had for Christmas dinner was a pumpkin. Yes, the pumpkins people curve into monstrosities, only to the small one. So they had come back from Christmas service and arrived home. And they were happily singing and singing loudly and praising God as they waited for their pumpkin to cook. A neighbor who was my uh, a cousin, a cousin to my grandfather heard them singing and he wondered what it was they were singing about. And he went to check on them and they were so embarrassed to find them singing and praising somebody called Jesus who they didn't know and they were only celebrating by eating the pumpkin. So in his embarrassment he went and slaughtered a goat and called them to have a peace as an appetizer or dessert. Excuse me. So, that's the depth of poverty God has lifted us from to today, where I can stand here in front of you, talk to you, able to read and write, um, able to provide generously for the family and everything. But that is all God's blessings in the material sense. In Peter 1, 1 Peter 1 verse 6, he's talking about in this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer. Um, grief in various trials, 
so that the proven character of your faith, your faith is more precious than gold, is more precious than the money, is more precious than anything, more precious than gold which perishes even though it is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. May result in praise, glory, and honor. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy now that you're receiving the goal of your faith, the redemption of your souls. It is good to keep believing. It's good to keep on the path because what we have is living in hope. But that hope is into an inheritance which is, as described, imperishable, undefiled, pure, and unfading. The challenge now remains for us here, who's still here, to make sure God's will is done in our lives by living in that hope. So that when the time comes for us to be interred, it's not just simply dust to dust you return. No, people will know for sure your faith remained strong to the end. And you'll inherit that promise, that inheritance which is kept for you. Things we can do this we can do by following what the Lord said to those who were with him in Matthew, in other parts. But our actions today will not earn us the inheritance that was prepared for us since creation. It will not earn. It's not about earning. God has done it all. Your part is to have faith, believe in the right things. Hold on to the right words, right teaching. Do not deviate from the teachings of Christ. Do not deviate from the teachings of the word of God. Because that is when you come off and take a tangent which will lead you in the wrong direction. You hold on to the word of God. And then we have our model, Jesus Christ. I hope this ties up with the convergence message which we are going into but remember that our time here on earth is transient we are passing by sojourners and our residence in heaven is a part of our promised inheritance it's we inherit the lord we inherit everything he's promised but we've got to keep on keeping on in the faith Thank you very much. Let us conclude by saying the Lord's Prayer, please. Yeah. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you. Um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot there that I've got to think about. I've, I've had to take notes. It doesn't happen to me very often, but I had to take notes through it. But one of the things I, I, I just picked up was about having confidence in our salvation through our faith. Because without that, if you're not confident in your salvation, it's so easy to be battered by things know circumstances situations life etc so being confident in our salvation is just so important so father we just pray that we take on what um, Theo has been talking about that we are strong in our faith and that through our faith we are confident in our salvation our salvation which is kept in heaven and is perfect and cannot wither, cannot die, cannot perish, cannot get tarnished. So, Father, we just want to thank you for that assurance we have about our salvation. And, Father, we pray that you will help us to have confidence through faith in it. Amen. Okay, thank you. Time for tea or coffee. <laughs>